Welcome to our new micro podcast series, where authors answer four questions provided by the Journal of Neurophysiology's Editor-in-Chief, Professor Nino Ramirez. Hi, I'm Jamie Jones, your host, and I hope you enjoy this new series. Sit back, relax, and take a listen. Hey everyone, this is Meg Chow. I'm a PhD in biomedical engineering, now working for my PhD advisor, Dr. Charles Delasantino's startup, Labyrinth Devices. I came out of an undergraduate degree in biomedical engineering, also from Johns Hopkins University, but shifted from more of a focus in imaging and general biotech towards implantable medical devices, specifically during my graduate studies. Our lab, the Vestibulo Neuroengineering Lab, overall studies the vestibular system. The balance sensors of our inner ears motivated by the idea that we can provide artificial sensors in the form of a vestibular implant to treat patients experiencing bilateral vestibular loss. The vestibular implant field is an exciting place to be right now as the research and implementation is in its infancy. I was lucky to be part of the lab at the onset of our human early feasibility clinical trial with our multi-channel vestibular implant, a project that Thalia and I are both still a part of. Getting to see the first individuals receive stimulation from our device is really a powerful motivation and clear translation of the research we get to do in the lab, which is so exciting for us. Hi there, I'm Thalia Fernandez-Briet, a PhD candidate at Johns Hopkins University. I have the incredible opportunity to be co-advised by two amazing mentors, Dr. Charles de la Santina and Dr. Jean Friedman. My journey brought me all the way from Spain to Baltimore, and I joined the Vestibular Neuroengineering Lab back in the summer of 2020. Once I landed here, I teamed up with Meg for around 10 months, diving into all sorts of cool stuff in both preclinical and clinical work. So in this study, we're continuing work that started with one of my senior graduate student mentors, Dr. Kristen Hageman, to explore the electrical stimulation to the otolith end organs. Those are two of the five sensors of the vestibular system that are more complex in their sensory arrays and measure the linear acceleration of our head movement, like moving side to side. These end organs are not yet stimulated in our human clinical trials or our older animal research. Kristen pioneered the stimulation to these end organs with new electrodes and stimulation paradigms, but did this in otherwise normally functioning animals. So we wanted to extend those findings with a disease model animal. One surprising finding was that unilaterally damaging the vestibular sensory hair cells with an ototoxic drug decreased their vestibular ocular reflex, which we measure by looking at their eye movements, but did not change the symmetry of the response, unlike what we expected, which happens with our other three sensors of the vestibular system, the semicircular canals. Those measure angular velocity of the head, like turning your head side to side, like shaking your head no or nodding up and down. This ultimately makes sense because of that added complexity in the otolith end organs, which means that actually one ear might be able to symmetrically measure head translations and tilts. We also hypothesized that by surgically implanting the electrodes in the contralateral and still intact ear, we would damage the sensory epithelia and create a bilateral loss model. We did see a further decreased response to motion stimuli, but not to the extent that we expected. And so it appears the surgical approach we used might not have done as much damage to the vestibular sensory epithelia as we thought. And finally, we were able to stimulate using paradigms and electrodes previously explored by Kristen and found that we could partially restore ocular responses that were further magnified when supplemented with a complementary motion, which is exactly the intention of a vestibular implant. 
So some of the most important tools we use to acquire these data were our electrode arrays, our eye measurement coil system, our multi-channel vestibular prosthesis, and our head tilt accelerometer measurement system. In each of the animals we used, we would inject an ototoxic antibiotic, gentamicin, into the right tympani of the ear of the chinchillas. We would then use a motion processing unit to measure their head tilt over a series of six weeks to ensure that they were experiencing ototoxic damage to their right ear. In chinchillas, when one ear's vestibular function decreases, they will tilt their head down towards their damaged ear, which is very cute. For those animals that experienced a head tilt, we would implant two eye coils in each eye and a head post to fixate the head so that we could move them around with various static tilts and sinusoidal translations on a six degree of freedom motion platform while measuring their eye reflexes. We then implanted a multi-channel vestibular prosthesis with custom electrode arrays manufactured by Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories that have 50 flat electrodes. We then measure their head tilt again to see if it now tilts towards their newly damaged ear. In all animals, we would move them in the same directions while measuring their eye reflexes. Then we'd electrically stimulate with stimulation paradigms used in Kristen's previous work so that we could directly compare to the eye responses she previously recorded. The multi-channel vestibular prosthesis sends electrical current controlled biphasic cathodic first pulses, and we can modulate the pulse rate and the pulse amplitude to emulate either a static tilt or a sinusoidal translation. Based on the eye responses to electrical stimulation, we could project what motion the chinchilla perceived based on Kristen's previous eye response models, and then stimulate while moving the animal in that direction and measure the eye response again. The results of this study are very exciting because they show that we can actually bring back some of the otolith ocular reflexes in animals that lost their vestibular function due to inner ear damage on both sides one from ototoxins and the other from damage during surgery. Now there's one big issue we faced in our study. The electrodes we put in during surgery didn't always go in the same spot. So in the next step of our project, we're planning to fix this by improving our electrode design and revisiting how we do the surgery so we can electrically simulate the intended nerve branches without the current spreading elsewhere. Here's the other thing. When we were testing the animals by electrically stimulating them through their vestibular implant, they didn't have time to get used to this stimulation. In other words, their brains didn't have a chance to adjust to how the head movements and the electric pulses work together. So in the coming months, we're going to dig deeper. We'll explore the potential of electrical stimulation when the animals are used to a particular mapping of head velocity and acceleration to pulse frequency and or amplitude. And we're not stopping there. We'll also explore additional stimulation paradigms playing around with how the electric currents are directed and sent to our target and organs. All in all, get ready for some cool stuff from us in the future. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Thank you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by the Journal of Neurophysiology and produced by me, Jamie Jones. If you would like to hear our latest episodes, please visit the Journal of Neurophysiology's homepage.